This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap for Friday the 16th of December 2022. Coming up, we're going to be talking all about wearable devices. No, not mainstream ones, specialist devices. And Elon's at it again. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Oh, oh, hi. Hi. Hi, Sean Priest. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, Stephen Scott. I'm excited. It's feeling Christmassy today. I don't know why. All of a sudden, it feels Christmassy. What? Because it's freezing cold. Oh, yeah, that's it. I am absolutely freezing. And I've got no socks on for some reason. That's crazy. Well, that is, well, clearly, I know what to get you for Christmas. Thank you very much. <laughs> that's exactly what you need. Uh, hey, listen, um, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm a bit distracted today because I've been on Twitter most of the night. I just, do you know, honestly, it is like a soap opera on there. You love it. The bold and the beautiful of Twitter. You you love it. i got to say, today's story has got me rethinking Twitter. Oh, really? That's what it took. Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, uh, Greg is not happy with us at all. Okay. Uh, Which Greg? We've got a few Gregs. Pennsylvanian Greg. Oh, every other Greg loves us. Greg Greg in Pennsylvania. Oh, Pennsylvanian Greg. Keeps us on our toes. God bless him. Not happy at all. He says, uh, less than 20% of Americans, 23% of Canadians, but a whopping 37% of people are on Twitter. But somehow Twitter is the biggest topic of conversation on Double Tap accounting for about 17% of airtime in the last month. <laughs> I like how he's worked out the percentages there. Thank you, Greg. Hang on. We only talked about Twitter for 17% of the time. We are not doing this well. No, we, we need a, a Twitter-specific episode, I think. A whole yeah. hour of Twitter. I think we need an hour or a day on Twitter. Um, God, God bless you, Greg. But honestly, look, it, it's, it is a relevant story because it is in the news and... Uh, you know, we are going to talk about it. I, I don't know. I, I sort of understand because I sort of go, oh, Twitter again. But it is the number one story at the minute. Well, he says, except for the elimination of the accessibility team, I fail to see the relevance of this thread to technology for the blind. Recently, we had the greatest scientific and technological achievement of our lifetimes in successful nuclear fusion which will likely revolutionise human existence on our planet, potentially solving climate change and energy supply forever. And so many advances in accessibility for us blind folks that just never get covered on Double Tap. Hang on. So nuclear fusion? Is that, a th- is, is that relevant to the blind community? Well, that was something I was going to pick up on. But uh, to be fair, I did see that story, I think it was yesterday or the day before. But um, yeah, look, it is a big story, but I, I'm, I'm struggling to find the angle of relevance to that. Yes, it's a big story. But if you read into that, it's it's very much saying, look, this is the first step to anything so i i don't know we can talk about that today do you want to talk about nuclear fission or fusion i I have no idea i've never been fishing uh, and certainly (laughs) if i have i feel like i'm in a simpsons episode when i'm talking about fishing for nuclear Um, (laughs) it's got a a little bit of a, a taste to me of the Neuralink story i'll be honest because it's all about okay this is the first time they've done a nuclear fusion experiment which has yielded more energy out than they've put in but that's not taken into consideration the amount of energy they use to power the what was it 92 or 192 lasers they needed to start the uh reaction so actually we're not there yet and so bored um, it, no, it's, it is an interesting story, but it's uh, it's a long way off. When, when are my energy bills coming down? That's what I want to know. Is this going to affect my energy Never. bills in the next two months? No. I'm not interested. Okay. All right. Firing lasers, a capsule of, I don't know, I can't even remember what it is now, Tiberium Sun or whatever it is, is, is sounds really cool, though. I mean, they heat it up to, like, the centre of the sun. It's incredible. But, um, yeah, okay. Don't, don't do this at home, folks. I don't know how accessible it is, though. I, I don't. I, I, yeah, that's a good question. How accessible is nuclear fusion? I would imagine at that heat, you probably even the even the braille dots that say "Do not touch" would melt. <laughs> okay, Greg, we're we're very sorry, but you know what? Actually, I'm not. I'm talking. We're, we are talking about tech, and yes, we always come at it from a, a blind angle because we're blind guys. But you know what? It is what it is. It's mainstream tech as well. 
He says, how about exploring smart glands on JAWS? We talked about that. Where's the long-awaited demo of ARX and Envision glasses? We did that. I do miss the days when Double Tap was relevant. Well, I don't know oh, what you're listening to, Greg, but you know nasty, it seems that we're covering Greg, all this come stuff. So. Come, come on, on now. Come on now, Greg. <sighs> anyway, okay. let's talk about Twitter, because that's more interesting. Uh, so let's... <laughs> It is. Don't do you know, so wind him up. Here's what, here's what <laughs> happened overnight. So uh, Elon has been uh, in a bit of a, a Twitter spat with, well, pretty much anybody who he disagrees with, frankly. And uh, there has been a little bit of concern raised by the fact that there seems to be people who are posting his uh, location online. They seem to be, I don't know, if it's, is it his private jet or something they've got access to the coordinates of and they're posting this Hilarious. information online? This is hilarious, and I'll tell you why. So before he owned Twitter, before all that, this guy was posting up his position of his private jet, which, by the way, is publicly available information, right? Flight plan, it is publicly available. But this guy was tweeting it out all the time. Now, Elon offered him, I think it was like, you know, $10,000 to you know, stop this or stop your account and all that. And the guy said, no, actually, I want 50000 And Elon said, no, forget it. You keep doing what you're doing. But it turns out in order to suspend that guy's account, Elon's ended up spending $44 billion <laughs> to, to suspend this account. Um, yeah, well, yeah, you carry on with today's story, yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, to be fair, it doesn't matter really what I say because in the next hour, something else will trump it without any oh, doubt Trump. at all. Yeah, Trump don't, don't and NFTs. Trump. No, don't, no, please, no. <laughs> Trump is a superhero or Trump riding elephants in outer space or whatever it was. It was utterly unbelievable nonsense. Um, I hope these oh. are all, uh, they've alt text on them. That's what I say. Um, but, well, actually, do you know what? Do you know on this occasion, I think we can just skip the alt text. Just forget it. It's it's Skip an orange guy thing. on on an elephant in space. Uh, there you go. Does that cover it for you? Oh, it's absolutely crazy. Sorry, uh, but yes, basically, um, yes, it was a bit of a weird day for Elon Musk yesterday. He banned accounts. He said he would never, he never would, in order to protect free speech. Made up new rules to justify it. Threatened legal action against a twenty-year-old pontificated uh, on how doxing is banned on the platform, and then immediately posted a video doxing a man and asked his 121 million followers to identify him. Uh, this is, of course, the guy who had uh, threatened to give over his location and all this kind of stuff. This was Elon Jet, uh, which had 500,000 followers and tweeted automated updates about Musk's personal flights using legal, publicly available aviation data. Anyone can request that the FAA not broadcast that data, which Musk has done. Uh, the flight tracker site FlightAware told uh, a website Motherboard. Um, previously, Musk had said of the Elon Jet account, my commitment to free speech extends even to not banning the account following my plane, even though that is a direct personal safety risk. He tweeted that on November 6. Elon has also said he is against censorship that goes far beyond the law. But then it goes further than that. Because now he has uh, gone off and uh, banned a whole number of journalists. And, you know, you might think these are journalists from newspapers, um, but it's not all newspapers. It's also tech publications as well. There's a guy from Mashable has been banned for, for some unknown reason. Although, I mean, we don't know the context here. Uh, and obviously because the account's banned, we can't see the tweets that he's been putting out. So we don't know what <laughs> has happened. But, you know, it does seem that he's got a little bit of a thin skin which is not ideal when you're running that kind of company and you're all for free speech. I'm not keen on that. You know, I think, it, you know, he, he did make a point a while back of tweeting out, you know, I will I will leave the people on here who, you know, are my biggest critics. And I'm, I'm for that. That's for me. That's for me. I'm like, <sighs> yes, give me some of that because, you know, I don't mind people criticising. Like, I read out that email from Greg. He's criticising me. He's criticising you. He's criticising our lovely show. Uh, that's okay. That's what free speech is about. He, I am allowed to say what I want to say. And he's allowed to say what he has to say. It's as simple yes. as that for me. Um, but, you know, if I was to start banning those emails or saying I'm not reading that out or, you know, I'm going to cancel Greg, well, that's not see, right. Yeah, but look, the, the, the excuse or the reasoning that Elon is coming out with is that, hey, you're doxing my location, which could put, I mean, he specifically said, you know, my family at risk. Um, which I actually agree with. You know, anyone who doxes anyone, it's not cool. Uh, there's a couple of things here. So that flight plan of his jet, and that's what we're talking about, nothing else, his jet, right? His location of the jet at any time. If he's actually, that, that is publicly available information. But you've mentioned there that he's requested that isn't made publicly available. Now, and that's, that I is, should say that's according to the reporting of Vice News. 
Right. Yeah, but if that is the case, then actually I think he may have a point. If he's saying this is private information and someone is publishing that, then he's got a point and he's got every right to ban that specific account. Now, the problem comes up, <coughs> excuse me, the problem comes up when these journalists, such as that Mashable journalist, for example, says, I have posted a, a link to that Elon Jet Twitter account in the past. Um, but so has thousands and thousands of other people. And it seems very selective that someone, uh, as a tech journalist who's been critical of Elon and his handling of Twitter, that I find my account suspended. And that is also a valid point. So now, I, I just find goes it very on, suspicious. Though. It goes on because, of course, as I say, he suspended the accounts of several prominent reporters who cover Elon Musk, The Verge reporting, Ryan Mack of The New York Times, CNN's Donnie O'Sullivan, the Washington Post's Drew Harwell, The Intercept's Misha Lee, Mashable's Matt Binder, Aaron Rupert, and Tony Webster. This evening, or I guess last night right now, Musk logged into a Twitter space to try and explain why, then ran a poll asking when the journalists should be unbanned. And in both instances, things didn't quite go his way. Uh, it says the reporters who've all been banned seem to have recently tweeted about Musk's attempts to crack down on the sharing of the whereabouts of its private jet. Apparently, though, the accounts that the, the accounts can't post can still join uh, Twitter Spaces live audio chat. And in that space, which included the people he banned, he did try to explain himself. He said, you dox, you get suspended. End of story. That's it. So, um, yeah. And it's not, and, and just a side note, it's not the only accounts he's banned either. He's banned Mastodon. <laughs> wow, really? Yeah, so a, the Join Mastodon account has been suspended and anybody who is trying to post a link to their Mastodon um, username or you know using the username, that will not be shared. It comes up as a violation. Um, so he's, he's <laughs> we're playing Sorry, hardball now. <laughs> that is, that is absolutely ridiculous. It is a bit ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, come on, you know, if you can share your WhatsApp or your, you know, whatever else, and you can share that, come on. I mean, it's not, it's not any, if he, do we really think that Mastodon is that much of a threat to Twitter? I'll tell you what he's doing. He's doing a fantastic service for Mastodon. Absolutely. He really is. Yeah. He's doing a great service to them because people will say, well, hey, this is brilliant. You know, Mastodon must be seen as a threat because you know Elon Musk himself is banning it. You're just you're making it worse for yourself, Elon. Come on, stop it now. Just start, you know start running stop the company. It. Someone someone needs to have a word with him. But hey, you Get can't the tell phone. Elon anything. So there you go. Uh, uh, listen, I, I, just one more story before we move on to wearables because I'm really intrigued by this wearables feature today. So this is a conversation I had with Jason Shaw from VisionAid earlier in the year. And uh, I, I wanted to bring it in here to Double Tap because it's a really interesting conversation about wearable tech. So we're talking here like, you know, VR-style headsets that can do lots of different things. Think of names like eSight in Canada. Think of Iris Vision. Um, there are lots of companies out there that do this kind of stuff. And we're going to get into that in detail with Jason Shaw today. So we're going to cut our first segment a little bit shorter uh, so we can hear that conversation. But just before I do... Uh, and in amongst all this Twitter storm, there's actually a story which has really interested me. You know I love my ThinkPad from Lenovo, right? You know how much I love my Lenovo ThinkPads. Yes. Now, you know that um, Motorola took on um, – well, they, well they don't, did they take on – I don't really know who bought who, but Motorola is the kind of <laughs> – is that that's the mobile version of Lenovo, I guess, isn't it? Yes, kind of taken I, I don't on know. That. It has changed hands a I don't few know who times, owns which. But, yes. Um, but I did see today – a story that got me very excited because there's a rumor following a leak of a Think Phone. Oh, okay. Uh -huh. why, now, why are you excited by that? Well, just think how well built these laptops are. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, this is the phone for me. What's it going to be running then? Android? Think software. Think. <laughs> Think Windows OS. is coming back. Windows OS. That'd oh, be lovely. I tell you, that wouldn't be bad. Um, <laughs> BlackBerry. Come on, get BlackBerry back out. Come on, what's going on there? That was so a guess, brilliant software. Is Think OS actually a thing? No, it's not. I'm only making oh, okay. that up. No, it, say, it, it'll run Android. Android. Of course, it'll run Android. But it'll, you know, but I don't know. This it's just the style of the phone, the business phone. I think that could be very popular. Actually, Think Phone. I think. Yeah, I, I, I've. Fallen in love with the Lenovo laptops, i got to say. I think they are fantastic. So, man, is you know it too what? Late? Every company is going for style over substance, if I'm being totally honest. And it's not that I'm yes. saying that they don't have substance. I mean, Dell, you know, still have excellent laptops, brilliant under the hood, but they just the style of them. 
You know, and mm-hmm. when they got rid of the function row, I'm like, oh, no, no, I'm no, out. no. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm out of that. Yeah. I'm just not interested in that. Whereas Lenovo have kept to that design, that traditional keyboard design, very much business focused, of course, but that has a massive impact, especially on us. And, and for me, and I know I rave about my insert key, but I, I do love my insert key. And, you know, I'll fall out with you, Lenovo, if you ever get rid of that. Boring. Because that's... <laughs> And, and separate home and end keys. I mean, this all sounds really trite, but, you know, when you're Mr. Muscle Memory over here, um, it's kind of important. That's why That's why most blind people, I would guess, I'm going to put it out there, I think most blind people have got a full-size keyboard sitting on their desk, even if they're using a laptop. They've probably got a full-size keyboard because you want that individual mm. key set up for all your, you know, whatever you're doing. You know, you want to have, you know, big you know, cursor keys. You want to have no, the no, extra page up, page no, down. No, home no, end. we're talking about jumbo remote controls or big no, button no, telephones no. again. No, no, no. People want the numpad for screen reader reasons. Exactly. That's, That's what I'm it. saying. No, you're saying they need the cursor keys to be separated out. No, no, no. I'm um, using a sort of combination here. I've got a separate number pad on this keyboard, but the the cursor keys. It doesn't have the six panel page up, page down, home end. It doesn't have those. Uh, so no, you don't need that. Well, I do, and I want right. it, and I don't want Lenovo to change anything. So, okay. Yeah. okay. But if they come up with a Think Phone, I'm very interested. Because, you know, I'm also thinking, I like the sound of the accessories as well. Oh, Think Accessories. Mm. What? What are you, what are you I don't know. I, what, what, am I running Lenovo as well here over here? Well, why are you saying you're excited by the possibility of accessories when you don't even know what they could be? It could be nothing. Oh, what I'm very sorry. I'm, oh, I'm very have? sorry. I, oh, I, sorry, Mr. Nuclear Fusion over here. You know, oh, well, you know, I'm all for fishing for nuclear, but, you know, as soon as I say, oh, maybe I could get a nice leather, you know, (laughs) case for my think phone, suddenly I'm, oh, outer space thoughts. Well, we've never never seen leather cases before. That's new. That's very exciting. I'm so excited by that. Stay right there. Not you, but stay right there uh, because we'll (laughs) be talking to Jason Shaw from Vision Aid next about wearable tech. A really interesting conversation coming up next on Double Tap. Send us your feedback to feedback at doubletaponair.com. Leave us a voicemail at 1-877-803-4567. You're listening to Double Tap. This is Double Tap. Now, back to the show. Yeah, welcome back. And uh, earlier in the year, I spoke to Jason Shaw from Vision Aid Technologies in the UK, and we talked a lot about the various wearable options that are out there, and there really are a lot. And I'm not talking Apple Watch. I'm not talking about essentially mainstream products in this case. I'm talking about specialist tech, often glasses, often headsets that are worn that can help us do things around the home more independently. Jason told us about the range that are out there. It started off um, probably getting on for a couple of years ago now, and and now there's there's, there's really quite a lot on the, on the market. So... I wanted to sort of get together with you and just just to sort of go through the different types and and why you might choose one over another um, and things like that. So, just so is there a, is there a general theme here? Are we talking about products that that offer specific features? Like I'm thinking maybe OCR or the ability to I don't know maybe see more clearly as a result of wearing them. I mean, what's what's the theme with these? The, the, the theme really is is it's to enhance your vision. Okay, so the, the, they are for, um, for, for for enhancing the vision. Some of our, some do have text to speech um, options as well, sort of features as well. We we'll read, read back information as well, um, but primarily they're a visual device. And the important thing with the wearable, um, you have to have enough vision for it to be able to work. It can only work with what vision you have. Okay, okay so um, and normally when um, when we sort of, if somebody phones up for a demonstration, it's something you really need to try, actually. So I, I can't stress that enough. You can't really choose one of these things out of catalogue very easily. You can look at the features and all the specifications and all that. But really, if, you, if you're serious about looking at something like this, then really get a home demo from us or, or from a company in our industry. Just- and you can provide that? Yes, we can, yeah. And it's the best way to do, it's best way to do it. So, uh, and most people buy this technology really for the, the, the I suppose the biggest area is watching television. That, that's probably the, the, hmm. the, the biggest thing okay. that people buy them for, but anything you need your hands free for, it's mainly pleasurable things. I find, you know, you know, like hobbies. And so I've, I've sold them in the past for, um, I sold one to a lady in Wales and she needed it because she'd got macular degeneration and um, she was now struggling um, to sew both hand sewing and, and 
sewing on her machine. So she uses a wearable um, on her head. So then that enhances what she can see and magnifies it. So she's, she was able to carry on doing the sewing. But You know, in my head, I've got a vision of a headband with two uh, magnifying glasses stuck in the front. Yeah. It's not quite, you know, it's not quite as bad as that. Coal miner's light on the top. Yeah. It's not like that, is it? These are, these are pretty smart devices. Oh, they're pretty yeah. intelligent. Yeah, and they do vary in size as well. And, and, and also, so some of them are based around what, what we class the virtual reality headset. So some people who are listening will be familiar with that type of technology that was you'll see like um, children used to put a mobile phone in the front of a virtual reality headset and wear it and, and play games on it. So they're looking through lenses in this headset onto the screen of the mobile phone. Okay. And then they, they play the game um, or whatever they want to do with, with, with on the mm. game. But when you're using it as a wearable device for magnification, um, the virtual reality ones, for example, it's the same virtual reality headset. It's quite a large headset, but it looks quite heavy, but it's not. It's very light and very comfortable to wear for long periods. It's very well padded. Um, it's got nice adjustable straps on it, so you can adjust it and get it just just right, uh, just right, nice and comfortable. Um, and the ones that use the virtual reality headsets use some kind of some form of mobile phone um, in them. So, and then you look through the lenses once you've got the device on. You look through the lenses of in the headset on directly onto the screen of the mobile phone, and then because the camera on the phone is on the outside facing out into the room, that then becomes your eyes into, into, into your environment. So right. as you look around, you're using the camera technology in the phone then to look, to look around and then that comes through into the headset uh, and then enhances whatever you, you're able to see. Okay, so you know what I love about you is you always bring your toys with you yep. uh, to these meetings, which is brilliant. Uh, so what have you got for us today to to showcase what you're talking about i've got a few of a wide selection with me here just to go through um there obviously are, we, we do have more than i've got here because um we tend to have quite a lot of them i've got a couple of the vr headset ones the most popular two one is called the a site vr um and then the other one is called the iris vision live um so the iris visions for example we'll go with that one just because um i've got that's the one i've got in my hand that they use the Samsung Gear VR headset, and they use a Samsung, in the modern ones, they use a Samsung S10 mobile phone. The phone is locked down, so it comes as a whole package. You can't use the phone as a mobile phone. It's locked down purely as a visual aid, okay? Okay. Um, and then it slots, in, it slots into the headset. You switch it on. Um, like I say, look through it. And this particular one, has lots of different viewing modes on it as well. So when I look through, you can use a, mo a mode called scene, which enables you to just look around into your environment. You've got specific modes for certain eye conditions, like there's one for um, like limited field of vision, like ret retinitis pigmentosa, for example, where it might be like, um, imagine like looking through a straw, you've got a very good part in your central vision that's useful, but um, very limited field of vision. So when you look through, when you on on this device, you can actually then reduce the size of the image on the screen of the mobile phone, so you can get all the relevant information that you need in a much smaller area. So it's much easier to see. Sounds quite technical, but it's very simple. Um, and then you've got and, and would someone need help to do that to set it up? No, no, it's very very simple to use. You just look through it and you see the image, and then there's a pad on the side of the unit which you just it, if you stroke forwards and backwards on the um, pad that would adjust the magnification and if you stroke uh, vertically up and down that will change the size of the image that you see so so it reduces mm. the, the actual screen size if you like um the important thing is like i said before you need enough vision for these to be able to work so normally if we if somebody phones up for a home demonstration of one of these we'll normally ask them if they know their visual acuity score which they normally get from an, op from an optician and in, mm. in the UK, that's normally given as a, as a fraction, six over, whatever it might be. Okay. And if they don't know that, it's not, not to worry. They can go and get that from their optician if, um, if, if they've been to an optician recently. Um, if not, we'll, we'll then go through a certain amount of questions with them to make, you know, like just very simple things. So no need to worry about it. You know, can you, could you read the headline in a newspaper, for example? Just things that help us to understand how much someone's, someone is able to see or yeah. how their vision's impaired. Because if someone can only see, for example, shapes or they can only see what an, an optician would class as counting fingers, 
you know, uh, or things like that, then this sadly this technology doesn't work. But um, if they've got some, if they've got useful vision, then it does work, and it does work very well. Um, and, and this goes to the heart of your business and the way you do business, that you're not out to sell products en masse. You know, let's no. get, you know, a thousand iris visions out the door. You know, it's not like that, right? It's about well, it would be nice, the right product. No, it's not like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it would be, it would be a nice be a great profit. Day, but, yeah. <laughs> but it's not going to work because if, you, because if you end up with 999 returns, it's not going to work for you, no. right? And it, no, and that's that, the and those people aren't going to come back to buy any other technology that they might need later on because then the, tr- exactly. the trust's gone. You know, yeah. it's very important that people trust as as, as a supplier. Um, so, so let's talk about the use cases here, right? So this particular one, no, no, just remind me again, this is, what was the name of this product? It's called Iris Vision. Not, not Irish, because some people think it's manufactured in Ireland. It's not. It's Iris, <laughs> as in Iris in the eye, Iris Vision. Because I, I was on your website and I noticed there's two of them. There's yes. the Inspire and the Live. Exactly. So which one yeah. were you focusing on Good here? research. This one's called the Iris Vision Live because so, it uses okay. a VR headset. The Inspire is more like, it looks more like a pair of glasses. Okay. So it's it's a smaller, neater unit um, that uses um, smaller screens um, because it's built into like a pair of glasses. Because there are some, some, re- some eye conditions that work better with the VR headsets and there's some eye conditions that work better with the glasses ones. So if you've got a limited field of vision, for example, like, like, like we we're talking about earlier with the RP and the tunnel vision, the, the smaller, the, when the screen's smaller, it doesn't seem to matter as much. So you could, because the, the image is in a smaller area. But if you've got something like macular degeneration, where you need all the good information in your peripheral vision, and then you've got a damaged central vision, I personally find that the virtual reality ones tend to work better because the, the screen's much larger, it's closer to your, to your face. Um, and again, some people will choose dev- devices on how it looks, of course, because some, well, some people that's very important because, yeah. you know, it doesn't work, look as nice wearing a VR headset as it does wearing an, um, a thing that looks more like glasses, obviously. But, but again, it depends on the application, right? So like you're saying, for the person who was in Wales who was wanting to sew. Yes. You know, I don't imagine that person will be sewing on the bus. No. <laughs> I think it would be quite difficult to do. And I wouldn't advise it. I strongly advise against sewing on buses. I think that's probably <laughs> a bad idea. Something could go horribly wrong. Yeah. A lot of blood involved Even if you're in that, yeah. proficient in it, even if you can knock out a cardigan in yeah. days, it, yeah. doesn't, it doesn't work. But, but I, I do think it's interesting because... The, the application does matter. And like you say, you know, some people are very conscious about how they look and, and rightly so, I think. Yes. We all should care about how we look to some degree, I think. I mean, we shouldn't give up just because we're blind. Yes. But at the same token, the, the right tool for the job hmm. uh, at that moment can can really mean the, the difference between one product and the next in this case. And and these two, just these two alone are a good example of that. Yes. Yeah. So so RS Vision is good because they do one of each. They do the, the VR one and the, and the, and the glasses style one. But when I look through them as a sighted person, I prefer the image from the, the VR one that is called the Iris Vision Live, um, because to me, the image is much more vibrant and it's much clearer to me as a fully sighted person. Um, and obviously, people do see that. So I, I give advice. I'll say, well, you can try this one, but this one looks more like glasses, but maybe the picture is slightly darker on this one because the, the screens aren't the same as when you're looking at a mobile phone or the image quality might be slightly different. You know, so I, I provide the advice and let them try it and, and let, yeah. them, let them explore that for themselves. And also, and you mentioned watching TV as well. That's interesting. Yeah. So you, with these, you can watch TV. Yes, yes. Very good for watching TV. Um, and also people tend to go to things like, the, you know, if you go to the theatre or, or, or um, if you go to a, a gig, a comedy gig or a concert, because if you use something optical, you know, like um, maybe people, people might look at things like monoculars or telis, uh, uh, binoculars or monoculars, anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I did when I was young. Yeah, that's yeah, what I used to use. Yeah, so they'll give you the distance and very good. It's very good clarity because it's optical, but it will give you the distance. But the, but the problem is it gives you quite a narrow field of view. So, but, yeah. but especially the VR headsets, the VR headsets give the widest field of view uh, more than the ones on the glasses. But so if you put the VR headset ones on, like the Iris Vision Live or the A-Sight um, VR, they'll give you, they'll give you that distance. Um, so you can still view and, and zoom in and magnify things, but also they'll give you a nice wide field of view as well. The, 
so you get a lovely wide field of view. It doesn't come in like like it would if you were looking through an optical device. Um, and 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 having that nice wide field of view is great. And also you can adjust the magnification. So if you're using something like um uh, like like a, a monocular, it's normally sort of eight times or four times, and it's fixed the magnification. Where on these devices it's adjustable, so you can um, like the Iris Vision Live, for example, will go up to twelve times magnification in the headset. So and they're all they all go to different levels, but but they're all sort of very similar. Um, and the Iris Vision Live it, it again uses the VR headset, but because they've used the Samsung Gear VR headset. It's nice as well because the controls are actually built into the headset. So you control the device just by lifting your hand up and just pressing buttons or, or swiping on a pad on the side of it. Okay. Where like the A-Site VR, they use a, just a, a generic um, headset to hold the mobile phone. They don't use the Samsung phone. They use a, a different phone. Um, they They have a Bluetooth controller. So there's a wireless controller, like a little joystick that you hold in your hand. So you push the joystick forward to zoom in, back to zoom out. Um, and again, just because, because they're from different manufacturers, this is why it's so important to have a demonstration. They do give very different visual experiences for people. Like when I look through it, um, like if I look through the iris vision, I find it boosts all the brightness, all the color. And a lot of people with macular, especially if they've lost a bit of that color vision, it's nice because all the colors are nice and strong again. But for example, I went to see a, a, a younger customer um, up in Scotland, and she's um, an artist. So, and she found that the Iris Vision Live that it just boosted the colours a bit too much for her; they're a bit unnatural. So, mm. she preferred the Asight VR because the colours through that are much more natural. Okay, so but for somebody older, they might appear more pasty because um, because they might have lost a bit of the colour vision. And also, and that is that is all going to be very subjective to the individual. Which exactly. Is, is yeah. Yeah. So, so, yeah. So they needed. try them on, you know, because it doesn't matter really what I think. I can advise and explain how it how it looks to me, but it but it's it's just about them having that experience themselves and trying it. And, and I think the you know the, there's a key difference there between that Ace site you're talking about and the the Iris Vision Live with the controls. So yeah. you know some people may find it better to have a physical control in their hand. I think I would personally prefer that yeah. as opposed to trying to feel my way around the buttons. I know that on this Iris Vision device the buttons are pretty clear, they're pretty tactile, but yeah. even so some people may struggle with that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it, and also you, you there's also considerations like I, I visit a lot of elderly people and if They'll say, "Oh no, I don't want a remote control because I'll end up sitting on it or losing it." And then they <laughs> yes, yeah. there's always the issues like that with it. Then they can't control it because the remote control's disappeared. You know, so it's and and also if you go to the theatre and you're sat in front of someone, you might not like keep if you're adjusting the headset, you might not like keep bringing your hand up to adjust it because then obviously that's affecting people behind. Where if you've got a, a controller, you can sort of discreetly do that down on your lap. So yeah, there is there's advantages and disadvantages to to, to each system. Okay, those two sound brilliant products, and like you say, absolutely, you know, get the demo. Don't don't just buy online on this. <laughs> Definitely, don't yeah. don't no impulse buy on this, please, um, because you know you've got to know what's right for you. Unless you're a millionaire, just buy everything. <laughs> yeah. But most people, I guess, aren't. So in that case, you'd maybe best to do it that way. Um, now, what price are we talking about for these devices? Let's focus on the Iris Vision Live, and if you can tell us for the Inspire as well, and also the Ace Sight VR. Right. So the the, the Iris Vision Live is two thousand eight hundred ninety five. So, like you say, unless you're a millionaire, you're not going to buy loads of these things. But it's it, and but it, it is a careful consideration of because a lot of money to spend. But if it works, it's worth every penny. But because it, it's a brilliant, well, exactly it's brilliant when, when it works for people. It's a lovely experience for me as well when it works for people actually, because people sort of I've had quite a lot of emotional moments where people have put it on and they could suddenly see a lot more than they can see before, mm-hmm. and it's a it's a it's a lovely moment and and especially like through the VR headset ones, like people with macular that explain it to me, because obviously I've got, like I said before, I've got normal sight, but when they, the damage part in the center, it means that once they've got the VR headset one on, because they tend to work better, it, they, they can look straight ahead again because it fills their peripheral vision with so much good information. The brain sort of just compensates for that. And then, 
they can look straight ahead again, which they've not been able to do before because they're always used to looking to the side. So they can look, it's like the dark patch. It doesn't really disappear, but it gives the effect that it disappears. So they can look straight ahead. So it's a lovely thing, you know? Um, so, so th but the, when you ask about prices, the, the Iris Vision is 2,895 and the A-Site VI is slightly cheaper, 2,695. The Inspire is more expensive because the, the, the reason some of them are more expensive, normally you find that with the glasses ones, is because because the Iris Vision and the A-Site are using some mainstream technology. So they've not had to manufacture that, like the mobile phone, they're utilizing the mobile phone technology. So they've not had to manufacture that part. So it makes the device cheaper. Mm. Um, so the Iris Vision Inspire, for example, is more expensive. That's 3,795. So that is, okay. that is more expensive. And again, contact vision needs. Yeah, and it, like I say, it's very important that you have a demonstration. And also, I don't know if I mentioned this, even if you've only got useful vision in, in one eye, it doesn't matter. These devices will still work. Mm, that's that's a good point, actually, yes. Yeah, because some people yeah, say, well, I've got no question. vision in one eye, but, but I've got mm -hmm. useful. It still works. It will still work or can still work for you. Okay, let's talk about some other uh, products in this range or in this in this theme. Uh, and I, I wanted to pick up on one. I know you've got various products there, but I wanted to pick up on one uh, which I noticed it's emblazoned on the front page of your website. It's brand new. It's called the i4, the EYE4. Yep. And these are like regular glasses, right? Yeah, I think they're the, they're the ones that look most like glasses. Um, so it's it's made by a company called Idaptic, and it's the i4. Um, it's actually my favourite one. But the real the real thing that I can't get over on them, unfortunately, is the terrible battery life, which they are working mm. on at the moment because it only lasts just over an hour. Oh, really? Yeah, it's the worst battery life on, on the wearable that I've come across. And I'm sorry to say that, but it is my it is actually image-wise on the glasses ones. I quite like it. It's, it's a lovely unit. And, I, and how, I, how does that compare to the, the other ones, though? I mean, when you think about Iris Vision or the others, are they? Yeah, well, not, normally, typically, they can go from sort of two and a half up to five hours. And right, even, so that's the, yeah, that's the standard. Yeah, the, the longest the longest one um, depends on the manufacturer and the, the actual device. But you're looking at two and a half to five hours. The longest one is the most expensive. That's the eSight 4, which is you can get six hours out of that. Um, right, okay, okay. But, so battery life on this, not great. No, that's I think it's the only thing. It's, yeah, there's something they're working on. And it's, 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 I think it's the only thing that really lets it down because I, I, I do like it. Um, so what this consists of is, like, like, like you say, Stephen, it's, it's, it looks just like a pair of glasses, but obviously, instead of having lenses in, there are two um, two screens in the front of there. So you've got um, you've got two 4K screens in there, um, and it's it's just a really nice headset to wear because it's comfortable. And the thing about the glasses one as well, if you want to make use of your peripheral vision, so. Um, it's difficult to walk around in it because people always ask if you can walk around. Some people actually ask if you can drive and no, that's a definite no, no. We'll have them mm. with a wearable. Um, but for things like um, walking around, it's very, very tricky. And I would normally recommend walking around in a, in a, in a wearable because it is, it is difficult, especially with the VR ones. Cause it, it, because they're very immersive, it blocks you off from the outside world um, where it's, it is easier in things like the glasses ones because you can still use some of your peripheral vision. Um, but you still have to be very careful because it does give you a false sense of perspective because you might think something's further away, but it's actually not. It's closer, but it's, you, you're zoomed in on it. Zoomed exactly. In on it. Yeah. You're looking through a camera. You're not looking through your eyes. Exactly, yeah. You, you, you do get at. used to it, and it's not so bad in your own home or where, uh, an environment where you're familiar, but it is tricky if you're walking around in, in unfamiliar environments and there are things like obstacles and stairs and curbs and, you know, it's not really going to help with that. So be very careful. Um, so th this one consists of th this small um, pair of glasses and then on, 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 on the arm on the glasses, you've got, obviously got arms like you have on normal glasses that go over, over the ears. And then at the back of one of the arms, there's a connection where you plug a USB-C cable in. So that cable then goes over the, over the back of your ear and then, Around your neck, you wear a, you have a mobile phone. Again, they use a, um, a Samsung phone, and it's hanging around um, the neck, and that's how you control the device. There's an app on the phone. Um, the difference on this one, the phone's not locked down, so you can use the phone for other things as well. Um, so you could use it as a mobile phone if you wanted to. But you get the app on the phone, uh, which allows you to control the zoom and all the features of the device. Um, 
But a really cool feature, which I like that nobody else seems to have used at the moment is that, and probably will after they've seen it, um, because the, the, there's also the New Eyes Pro 3, which is a very similar device to this with a pair of glasses and, and again, tethering you to a mobile phone that you wear around your neck on a holder. Um, the, the, the plus side to this one is that this not only allows you to use the camera in the glasses, it allows you to also switch and use the, the camera on the back of the mobile phone, which actually, mm. which actually is much higher quality than the one that you ever get in the glasses. So you, you can see the image quality difference when you switch to the other. The only downside is then you obviously have to hold the phone up to look around. It's quite good for covert surveillance, though, because you could be looking one direction while you sort of point. I'm not suggesting people use it for that, but it's quite, it's quite interesting because you can have a look around. You can actually have a look around at things without people, without, without looking too obvious. I like it. Yeah. I think that's, that's if, if there's any reason to buy it, I think that's it. Yeah. Sign yeah, me exactly. up. But I, I love that they're giving you the, 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 the option to be able to switch between the two cameras because that, that camera can be really useful for looking at different things. Well, yeah, I mean, you could, I mean, I think about, you know, desktop magnifiers and stuff like that, OCR. I mean, you could get a little mm. uh, stand for your, your phone. You could put a document under it and read it that way, newspaper. You wouldn't have to yeah. lean over it and try and see it that way. So, yeah. or even hold it up. And you if know? you're looking for things on shelves and things, you don't have to get, you know, because obviously the, clo yes. the closer that you get to something, the less you have to zoom in. So um, people tend to still move closer things because they're so used to it. But obviously, you don't have to get your head so close to it. And you can just take the phone up to the shelf and move it around and think, oh, yeah, that's the one I want, you know. You mentioned on shelves. Now, that, that suggests to me where we're heading outside. And you think this was something that maybe not you, you wouldn't necessarily walk around with outside, but this is something you could wear outside. So going shopping, um, you want to see something on a shelf, you maybe are outdoor at an event where you're maybe sitting watching a concert or yep. you know that kind of thing this is this is maybe more for for that and certainly would you argue a bit more socially acceptable than a vr headset <laughs> yeah yeah it, it, yeah it certainly looks um less of less obtrusive because people obviously notice but even now we say that with a vr headset it's, it's quite a normal thing for people to see now it's not like it like years ago where you think oh what, what's that person got on the head you know it's quite a normal thing that people would see um, around like if people are used to that kind of technology but but yeah it, it is people prefer it because it, it makes them sort of not stand out as much I suppose um, mm. and it's the sort of thing that I, again I wouldn't wear it while I was walking around the supermarket or, or you put it on when you want when you need it and it's the same with the VR ones you know some of a lot of people just take them with them so they can lift it up they might go to a park and then have a look at the view and you know or they might go out in the garden go into the greenhouse and then put it on for for, for potting some plants or whatever they want to be doing you know or yeah uh, anything like that so um how does this compare in price to the other ones we've mentioned this is actually with the glasses ones that uh, another reason i like this I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of fun of um more affordable technology let's say that, that because the i4 is actually pretty pretty reasonably priced it's 2795 now when you so it still sounds a lot, 2,795. But when you compare that with something like the New Eyes Pro 3, which is um, just knocking on the door of 4,000, 3,995, you know, it's, it's, it's a serious contender. You know, I, yeah. I, I certainly like it. I think it's great price. It's, it's just this battery thing. I, you know, it's, I, you know, fingers crossed they can resolve that. So, you know, and, and then it would be an awesome product. I, I, you, I really you do like it. You mentioned the eSight 4. Yes. Um, let's talk a little bit about that for a second, if you don't mind, because sure. th this is this is quite interesting to me. So I had a demo, I think, of the eSight 3 yeah. a few years ago, and um, it, it didn't work for me. No. You know, th that's the bottom line, but that doesn't mean anything, right? It, that was just an individual thing. It didn't work out for me, sadly. I really, <laughs> I must admit, and I'm sure a lot of people do this, the, I really built myself up for it, thinking <laughs> yeah. this was going to change everything. Yes. Um and it was it was good. I will say that there are some other products which we'll talk about down the line on the podcast that I think you know could be good for people who, who maybe have got just maybe not enough vision to use something like eSight, but there are other things out there. Mm. Um, but eSight Four is a quite an interesting product. Now this comes out of Canada, yes. And um, I came to the well, I came to be aware of it simply because of the fact that it was kind of selling itself as a product that gave you back your vision. Mm -hmm. And I'm seeing this this. 
this line kind of emerge out of some of these products these days. And I'm always a little bit yes. hesitant to to talk too much or at least believe that that's true. Yeah. Um, but this one, kind of similar idea to Iris Vision, certainly in the style, isn't it? Where you've got this headset that you wear. Again, you're looking through two screens, um, essentially on each eye. Yeah. And that is how you get the information delivered. But it's a much higher price. Yes. It's the most expensive um, headset. It's, it's just under 7000 so I always make sure Jeez. I always make sure someone's sitting down before I tell them that bit, you know. <laughs> but you, you, you probably want to you probably want to say that before you get in the car and drive yeah. down to see the person. It's like, oh, and did I tell you it's seven grand? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, what, you want me to leave now? Yeah. Oh, I see. Right, okay. That's no, and no biscuits. I'm guessing with the tea, right? Okay. Yeah. But uh, saying that though, it's a lovely headset. It's very stylish. It, there's a lot of hard work got, gone into this, and it's a brilliant design. It's a lovely thing. So rather than it, it does look like a pair of glasses, but it looks very futuristic. So instead of just having the arms on the glasses like you'd normally get, it, they use a system called the halo. So what it is, it's like a ring that goes around your head, a nice padded ring. And then at the front of the ring, there's like a little wheel that clicks. It's an adjuster. So that then that almost like, it sounds, sounds painful, but it's not. It squashes it onto your head. So it fits nice and tightly on your head. It's nicely balanced because the battery for the unit is at the back. But it so it's all built in. There's no tethering to tethering you to anything. So there's no wires going anywhere. It's a lovely, neat system. Um, and then at the back of you, there's a battery that plugs in, and you get two batteries with it. Each one lasts up to three hours, and it's hot swappable. So there's a small battery in the main Halo headset, which lasts well up to about twenty minutes. So then you can pull one battery out, plug the other one in, put the, put that one on charge, and then it keeps you continuously running. Oh, that, no, that is smart. That's yeah, good. so it's got a lot of really cool features. I know it's expensive, but it's got so it's got some really cool and in, and sort of unique features on it. It's also got a patented um, system where you can tilt the headset as well. So where if I if I wanted to, for example, look around or um, or look at something or um, on any any of the other ones, I normally have to take them off. But with the eSight, you can actually tilt the headset slightly away from you, so you can actually see more with your normal vision. And then you could tip your head forward and look through the headset if you want something magnified. And for example, I I, I sold one into a hospital, somebody working into a, in a, in, a, in a laboratory, and they didn't want to keep taking things off and putting it on when they were doing different experiments and things like that. So the eSight worked perfectly. You know, because you just pull it down over your eyes and flip it back up, pull it down over your eyes, flip it back up, you know, work brilliantly for them. Um, so, it, and it's also got special features, like it's the only one with a HDMI input. So you can like, if you're playing like on a PlayStation or an Xbox, or you've got some other video source that you want to plug into it, you can feed that signal straight into the eSight form, bring it straight up onto the screens. So then you could effectively lie in bed and play your Xbox and... <laughs> Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> lazy, I call it. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. Why not? Yeah. Blind people can be lazy too. Yeah. That's allowed, right? And you could- but but that's, that's just the great thing with that because, you know, I, I think what it also does is it kind of sends, gives me the sense that it's selling itself to a younger generation as well. Yes. Um, it's not, it's, it's you know, and, and this is no disrespect, but it's not just about doing the, the menial tasks of the day or perhaps doing hobbies. No. It's about, other stuff. It's about additional. And that's something which, by the way, is not age-related, right? I mean, there's plenty of older people who are enjoying games and all the rest of it mm. and actually would maybe enjoy it more yeah. with this kind of tech because oftentimes we're restricted to doing things. Yeah. We're restricted to doing things based on either the technology or the inaccessibility of a product or whatever it might be. Whereas this kind of thing, just being able to, as you say, yeah. hook up your Xbox or your PlayStation directly to the headset – that could open up that world for people. Yeah, you can, you, and you can even download the eSight app onto your phone, your Android or your, your Apple phone, and you can stream stuff to it. So you've got like the BBC iPlayer or you catch up TV stuff. Um, Netflix, Amazing. Netflix doesn't work because it, it's like coded. So it stops it. Um, so yeah. I think it's once someone in our office tried it and it didn't work. And it's got a little cool features like you can bring a torch on. So if you're looking for something in a dark cupboard, it can flick a torch on so the camera can see more. I had one where the guy was looking at he, he, he sort of restored and tuned pianos, and sometimes he had difficulty seeing inside it because it was dark. But with eSight, worked perfectly, of course, because he can see inside. Um, 
but it's but it's it's nice watching people's reactions to these because they might start off say they want to demo for an e-site and they try it on and then they put the ace uh, they might put the iris vision on and say oh wow this one works much better for me or vice versa you know and you know especially with the e-site they're going to save a lot of money with if the iris vision they think, oh wow yeah wow it's, it's such a mm-hmm. it's such a surprise when they, when they see the different headsets and actually realize that the one they've seen all the hype on on the internet or the the one that they were, like, like you said you were building yourself up thinking um you know that they sort of accepted that they might be paying three thousand or seven thousand, what it might be, and then this, it's it's even better for for me. It's quite nice when when you see them see something that's much cheaper, and they think, "Wow, this is this is brilliant," you know. And then they, they discover it's much cheaper. It, that's a, like a double bonus. It's an interesting industry, this because it's very hard to judge products on price. Yes, this is this is the feeling I get. You you, you know, there is that temptation to think, well, clearly the more money I spend the more I'll get. And I think that's probably true with the eSight. There's definitely features in there you're not going to get in the other devices. But when you come away from eSight, the other products, they all have similarities. They all have features in them which are, you know, slight differences here and there. Price isn't really a factor. It's what works for you. Yes. And And I think when you're at that level... And I know people always say to me, oh, but the price, the price, and, and everyone always gets into that. And I think, mm. yeah, the price is a factor, of course. Yes. But at the end of the day, if you find a product that is going to change your life immeasurably, you will find the money to buy it. Yes. We all do. Yes. That's why we get personal independence payment as disabled people in the UK. Yeah. Start saving, guys. Yeah. I mean, and we even do like it if people want to purchase it over like um, – like over 12 months interest free we can offer that well, that's good as yeah, well yeah, yeah. So it's even better you know but it's it's, a, it's it's like you see you can't you can't sort of be more sort of it's it's actually it's got to be the right product and it doesn't like you say the price is somewhat irrelevant sometimes i know it's a consideration but it's about finding that right product and even though i've got i've been doing this for my 34 years it's a long time you know I, I can't pick the technology for someone. I can explain and tell them the different features and tell them what I think about it. But ultimately, there's nothing better than them trying these devices on and going, that's the one for me. When you go to visit someone, mm. is, it, is, is it almost like, because I imagine when you go into the house and you start talking like this to people, yeah, they, they, they must just have a million questions for you. It's like, well, you're here because I need to know, I want to know about this. And I was thinking about getting one of those. And yeah. should I get this? And should I buy that? Oh, my grandson keeps telling me to get an iPhone. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't want an iPhone. Yeah. I just want a phone that works. Yeah. So I can understand. It's yeah. got physical buttons. Yeah. Yeah. Just, because they, yeah just because they find it easy to use or they say that oh, yeah, or sometimes yeah. they've already bought it. So they'll say, I've got this iPhone. I've got no idea how to use it. You know, oh, my word. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's no, what someone's I'm, given them. I yeah, think. yeah. I'm 97 no. years of age. I've got, you know, I've got arthritis in my fingers. <laughs> Oh dear, this this might be a challenge. And there you go. That was Jason Shaw from Vision Aid Technologies in the UK. He was talking about his organisation, Vision Aid, which you can find online by searching for Vision Aid Technologies. Of course, in Canada, there are lots of options out there if you're looking for assistive tech. There's Canada Assistive Technology. There's also the CNIB Smart Life Centre and Frontier as well. All great options if you're looking for specialist equipment and, of course, that specialist support that goes with it. But, of course, you can get in touch with Vision Aid, like he says. You know, they go out in the UK and they talk to lots of people all the time and they'll welcome conversations of people from around the world. So whatever you are, you can get in touch with them. Uh, Listen, that's it for today. For us, uh, we're back tomorrow again with the weekend edition. Join me and Mark for that. A really interesting story uh, from Microsoft coming up on the show tomorrow. Mark has the full details on that. Check that out tomorrow on Double Tap. In the meantime, have a great weekend. Thanks for listening. Can't get enough Double Tap? Subscribe to the podcast and get your fill of Double Tap every day. Visit DoubleTapOnAir.com and follow us now. We'll be right back. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts.